Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to minister to your people. Thank you for what you want to speak to us. Let it be a timely word. May you minister to your people, Lord, concerning seeking after you. Come and have your way. Come and illuminate our minds, Lord. Come and speak to us. Let it be revelation, not just information. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's really such a privilege to be here and to be able to share with you concerning a powerful message. The title of my message today is The Return of the God Seekers. The Return of the God Seekers. Have you ever seen someone who's looking for their keys? They're looking for their keys, right? They're late for work and they can't find their car keys. They search and search everywhere, don't they? And that's what they prioritize. So they're really a seeker but they're a seeker of keys. And I want to share with you over the next couple of weeks, this whole concept of being a God seeker, the return of the God seekers, one who seeks after God. And I believe that a generation can be characterized by this characteristic, a generation that seeks after God. And I think it's such a timely opportunity to become a God seeker if you're not one or to grow as a God seeker if you're already one. In the book of Psalms 24 verse 6, it says, this is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, even Jacob. Then it says Selah. And whenever you see that in scripture, Selah means pause. Just think about it. This is the generation of those who seek him, right? A generation can be characterized by this fact. They seek God. Are we going to be that generation? Are we going to be that generation? Again, when you look at this word in scripture, generation, it's often speaking about a particular group of people who are alive at the same time. So we're not talking about generation X, generation Y, uh, millennials, etc., baby, baby boomers. We're just talking about all the people who are alive right now. Could this be the generation that God looks at and says, you guys are a generation that seeks me. And uh, the way I'm going to do this is we're going to really unpack it. And uh, today I really want to focus on a couple of aspects. What does it mean to seek God? What does it mean to seek God? And what are the benefits of seeking God? All right. And why do we need to seek God? And then next week, we're going to talk about some counterfeits to seeking God, because there are many alternatives and then we're also going to talk about some consequences, the consequences of not seeking God, because we see that in scripture, the consequences of not seeking God. And then we're going to just unpack further what it entails seeking God. What does it really mean to seek God? What does it look like? In Hosea chapter 10, verses 12 to 13, it says, Sow with a view to righteousness, reap in accordance with kindness, break up your fellow ground. That's a very powerful statement. For it is time to seek the Lord until he comes to rain righteousness on you. It is time to seek the Lord. I really believe that while we're on this lockdown, it's time to seek the Lord. It's a time and a season for us to seek the Lord. And if we don't do so now, the grace might not be as much as it is now that enables us to seek God. So there's a time to seek God, right? It's something we must do now. We might not have the opportunity to do so later on. In Proverbs 1 verse 28, it says, then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me. So there's a time where you can find God, but I'm telling you right now, there's a time where it will be difficult to find him. Now is the time to seek the Lord. You see, sometimes God uses afflictions to help us to seek his face. Sometimes when we're going through difficulties, trials and tribulations, he uses those times to help us to seek his face. In the book of Psalms 77 verse 2, it says, in the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. There's nothing wrong with doing that, right? When you're in trouble, seeking God. And what I find interesting is when a lot of people are in trouble, they seek other people. When a lot of people are in trouble, they go to drugs. When a lot of people are in trouble, they go to all sorts of counterfeits, right? They go to addictive relationships. But it says here in the book of Psalms, in the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. Are you experiencing a day of trouble right now? I want to encourage you. I implore you, seek the Lord. 
In the night, my hand was stretched out with weariness. My soul refused to be comforted. So his soul refused to be comforted by human flesh, but he sought the Lord. It's time to seek the Lord. In the book of Psalms 78, verses 33 to 34, it says, So he brought their days to an end in futility and their years in sudden terror. When he killed them, then they sought him and returned and searched diligently for the Lord. I find that very powerful. You see, and uh, there's what we call the the divine passive tense. You see, God doesn't bring evil, but sometimes he allows it and sometimes he uses it. All right. And here we see a situation where these guys were experiencing sudden terror. All right. But the result of it was, it says they returned. They sought him and returned and searched diligently for God. I'm telling you right now with what's happening in the world, God is going to use it. He's using it right now. His aim is to use it so that we seek him. And I want to encourage you tap into that. In the book of Psalms 83 verse 16, it says, fill their faces with dishonor that they may seek your name, O Lord. Okay, so the psalmist here is aware of the fact that when people feel humiliated, when they feel like, man, I've experienced dishonor, that's where they're likely to come to the end of themselves and seek the Lord. And that's why he actually prays that. He says, Lord, do stuff to them that will cause them to end up seeking you. But what I want to highlight is that sadly, and this is what's so sad about human nature, that there's still no guarantee that despite all the troubles we go through, despite not knowing what the future is going to look like, there's no guarantee that we will seek the Lord. In Isaiah 9 verse 13, it says, Yet the people do not turn back to him who struck them, nor do they seek the Lord of hosts. Sometimes people are struck, but they still do not return to the Lord. So what is seeking after God? What does it mean? We're talking about the return of the God seekers. What does it actually look like being a God seeker? To seek is to search. It's to demand. It's to desire. So when the Bible says seek first the kingdom of God, it's basically saying desire first the kingdom of God. When we talk about seeking after God, we're saying desire after God, desire God. All right. It means to keep trying to obtain something. I'm giving you the biblical definition of seeking. It means to keep trying to obtain something. So if you feel like you don't know God enough, keep trying to obtain him, right? If you feel like you don't understand the word enough or his kingdom enough, his ways enough, his statutes enough, keep trying to obtain the kingdom. It means to make efforts. So when we talk about seeking after God, there's effort that is involved, all right? It's not a thing where you're passive, you're not in slumber, all right? Not on a personal go slow, it's earnest, it's heartfelt. It also means to get to the bottom of a matter. So someone who's really searching the kingdom, they're not satisfied just skimming over the word of God. They really want to search. They will look at a concordance. They will look at lexicons. They will look at uh, commentaries. They will really search until they get down to the bottom of a matter. And I believe that a God seeker, a God seeker can be described as someone who's passionately curious about God. My question to you, saints, is are you passionately curious about God and his ways? It's someone who's in relentless pursuit of God. You know what it's like when a man is pursuing a woman, right? When you're trying to woo a woman, maybe before you got married and you wanted to really charm your wife-to-be, you would pursue her. You would seek after her, right? Where is she? Where is she now, right? It's the same. A God chaser can be described as a God chaser. This is one who has a healthy obsession with God's mind and character. Isn't that powerful? I believe it's someone who has a healthy obsession with God's mind and God's character. This is one who is sensitive to and guided by God's opinion on a matter. So those who are seeking after God right now will be inquiring of the Lord like David did. says he inquired of the Lord and, and he would do that day by day. And sometimes God would give him one strategy. Another time he would give him a different strategy. Right now, when we're seeking after God, if we're a true God seeker, it's so important that we are saying, Lord, what's your opinion of what's going on right now? What's your take on what's going on right now?
in Isaiah 9, um, verse 13, it says, Yet the people do not turn back to him who struck them, nor do they seek the Lord of hosts. And when it says the Lord of hosts, that's Jehovah Sabaoth. Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, the, the Lord over the army of angels. So when you're seeking God, you're seeking the Lord over the army of angels. Isn't that so powerful? This is a mighty God. This is a God who's powerful. This is almighty God. I think that's awesome. That's who we're seeking today. So it's one who longs for and enjoys his presence. That's one who seeks God's face, one who longs for his presence and one who enjoys his presence. All right, let's continue. Why should we seek after God? There's some reasons for seeking after God. Why should we seek after God? One of the main things God is looking for when he examines mankind is looking for people who seek after him. In the book of Psalms 14, verse 2, it says, The Lord has looked down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. So he looks down. And one of the things he's looking for when he looks among the sons of men, he's looking to see, is there someone who understands? Is there someone who seeks after me? All right. So it's something God is looking for. I want to be found. When God is looking, I want to be found. When God is recruiting, I want to be found by him. The second reason why we should seek after God is that God desires all of mankind to seek him. So it's not just for a chosen few. This is not something for people who are spiritual giants. This is literally for all of mankind. In Acts 15 verses 16 to 17, it says, After these signs, I will return and I will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen, and I will rebuild its ruins and I will restore it so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who are called by my name. One of the things the Lord loves is when the rest of mankind is seeking the Lord, not, not just the Jews, not just a chosen few, but all of mankind. I love it. When presidents of nations announce and say, we need to have a day of prayer, a national day of prayer. That's mankind. That's a whole nation seeking God. And we need to call the nation right now to prayer, not just the chosen few. In Zechariah 8 verses 20 to 23, it says, thus says the Lord of hosts, it will be yet that peoples will come. Lots of people, even the inhabitants of many cities, the inhabitants of one will go to another. So people from one nation will say to another nation, people from one region will say to another region, let us go at once to entreat the favor of the Lord. That's what we're doing right now. We're crying out to God and we're saying, God, we need your favor. God, we don't deserve, uh, we don't deserve your favor, but we need it. And to seek the Lord of hosts. There's that phrase again, the Lord of hosts, the Lord over the army of angels, Right. I will also go. So many peoples, many people groups, right? Multiple ethnic groups. So many peoples and mighty nations. We're seeing this thing that has affected the first world, that has affected mighty nations. But these mighty nations, what does the Bible say? It says, so many peoples and mighty nations will come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to entreat the favor of the Lord. So it's not just individuals who seek God. It's not just ethnic groups that seek God. It's also mighty nations that seek God. And I'm telling you right now, it's time for us to seek the Lord. The third reason why we should seek after God is that there's an urgency to seeking after God. There's an urgency in the hour. And I've touched on this a bit earlier on. But in Isaiah 55, 6 to 7, it says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Which tells me that there'll be a time where he won't be found. All right? I know people like to procrastinate about these things. Oh, one day when I've settled down. Oh, let me just mess around in my life. One day when I've settled down, then I'll seek the Lord. No, seek the Lord now while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord 
and he will have compassion on him. See, God is so compassionate. And if you're not seeking him right now, I implore you, I admonish you, I encourage you, seek him while he may be found because he's a compassionate God. And it says, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. It doesn't matter if you were lost, he can pardon you. The fourth reason, we can return to seeking after God, even if we've been far from him. It's never too late to seek, for, to seek God. You might be in a situation where you did, didn't know him. You haven't lived for him. But I'm telling you right now, today is the day of his favor. Today is the day where you can come and you can seek his face and his pardon is abundant. In Hosea 3 verses 4 to 5, for the sons of Israel will remain for many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred pillar and without ephod or household idols. Afterwards, the sons of Israel will return and seek the Lord their God. You see, often in scripture, when we're told and instructed to seek the Lord, there's also that word return, return and seek the Lord, meaning we weren't seeking him, but now it's a time to seek the Lord, the Lord their God and David their king. And they will come trembling to the Lord and to his goodness in the last days. You see, when you seek the Lord, guess what you find? You find his glory and you find his goodness. They'll come trembling to the Lord and to his goodness. You see, some of you, are, you your mindset is, but if I seek the Lord, what am I going to find? You will find his goodness. When you seek the Lord, you will find his goodness. You're not going to find this harsh, ugly, angry monster because he loves it when we seek him. I think that's so powerful. The fifth reason why we should seek him is that seeking God was a covenantal practice with consequences for non-compliance. And next week, I'm going to go in detail about the consequences. But just look at this, 2 Chronicles chapter 15, verses 12 to 15. It says, they entered into the covenant to seek the Lord God, the God of their fathers, with all their heart and soul. And whoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel should be put to death. That's how serious it was back in the day in the Old Testament, right? Whether small or great, man or woman. Moreover, they made an oath to the Lord with a loud voice, with shouting, with trumpets and with horns. So we find that in ancient times, in the Old Testament, they actually made a covenant. They made an oath to God, that God, we will seek your face. And whenever covenants were made, they would actually spell out the consequences of non-compliance. And what they stated in those consequences was that, you know what, whether it's young or old, right, whether it's mighty or small, great or small, right, there are consequences to not seeking God. And today what we see is we see those consequences right? We may not apply it. We may not say, oh, we're going to strike you down because you're not seeking God, but there are consequences. And you'll listen to my message next week where I unpack some of those consequences. But I'm telling you right now, it's a time to seek the Lord and no one is left out, whether you are great or uh, feeble, regardless of who you are, you're called to seek the Lord. All right. Uh, the sixth reason, those who are in sync with God, those who are tuned to God, they prioritize seeking after him. In the book of Psalms 27 verse 4, it says, One thing I've asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. Isn't that powerful? And I think it's so amazing how it starts off. It says, one thing have I asked from the Lord. You see, someone who's a true God seeker, that's the one thing they long for. It says, that I shall seek. That's the first thing he mentioned. Lord, I'm asking you, not for stuff. The one thing I'm asking from the Lord is that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. 
very powerful statements there and gives us a peek into what seeking the Lord entails. It's seeking the Lord. It's dwelling in the house of the Lord all the days of his life. It's beholding his beauty and it's meditating. That's when you're uttering and muttering his words, his statutes. All right. So those who are in sync with the Lord prioritize seeking after him. So now let's unpack this a bit further and let's explore how are we to seek after God? You know, often when we talk about seeking after God, some of you might look and think, but Paul, maybe, you know, what, what are you talking about? You know, this is abstract. This is theoretical. All right. Now, how are we to seek after God? Number one, we're to seek after him until the breakthrough comes. You see, seeking after God is not a once off. It's something that you push through. You've often heard people say, pray until something happens. Well, seek after God, seek his face, be a God seeker until the breakthrough comes. And then there are more breakthroughs that you require in your life. In Hosea chapter 10, verse 12, I've shared with you the scripture a bit earlier on, but I want to emphasize something else in it. So with a view to righteousness, reap in accordance with kindness, break up your fellow ground for it is time to seek the Lord. Until when? Until he comes to rain righteousness on you. God wants to rain righteousness on you. Keep seeking him until that happens. Secondly, we're to be intentional about seeking after God. We're to be intentional about it. In First Chronicles chapter 22, verse 19, it says, Now set your heart and soul to seek the Lord your God. It's something you have to decide. It's something where you do it with intent. You set your heart and soul to seek the Lord your God. Arise therefore and build the sanctuary of the Lord God so that you may bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord and the holy vessels of God into the house that is to be built for the name of the Lord. But how does it start off? It says, now set your heart and soul to seek the Lord your God. I'm telling you now, this is something where we set our heart and we set our soul to do this. If you only set just your mind or your intellect and it's just head knowledge, yes, I must seek the Lord. It doesn't happen. It's something where your soul has to be engaged in. It's something where your heart has to be engaged in. And that's why very often in scripture, when we're told to seek after God, we're told to do it with diligence and it's a heartfelt activity that we do wholeheartedly. Uh, the third dimension of seeking after God, we're to seek after him without ceasing, without ceasing. So it's something we don't stop doing. In First Chronicles 16 verse 11, it says, seek the Lord and his strength, seek his face continually, continually, which means I go, I cry out to God, I seek his face. Go about my daily business, I continue, I come back, I'm seeking after him. It's not a once-off. I always say this, don't judge your life by your peaks. Judge your life and your effectiveness by your lifestyle. What are you consistently doing on a daily basis? You see, the thing I do on a daily basis is what characterizes me. I'm characterized by that thing. The thing I do as a once-off on special occasions, I'm not known for it. It's not, it's not a characteristic of mine. So we're being called to seek his face continually. And that's very powerful. And we'll unpack some of these things a bit later on. We're also called to seek after God wholeheartedly. In other words, with our whole heart. You know, the worst thing is when you've got an employee at work and they do what they're supposed to do, but you have to ask them three times to do it. They do what they're supposed to do, but there's no vigor. There's no energy and it's very difficult to deal with these people. And I think, you know, it's the same with the Lord because sometimes he looks at his children and he's like, yes, they're coming to heaven, but I don't see the passion. I don't see the zeal. I don't see them seeking after me wholeheartedly. That's why the Bible tells us the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro across the earth, looking for those whose hearts are perfect toward him, right? Wholly committed toward him. That's one of the things God is looking for. And you see this in Hosea chapter 5, verses 13 to 15. I find it amazing. When Ephraim saw his sickness and Judah his wound, then Ephraim went to Assyria and sent to King Jareb, but he is unable to heal you or to cure you of your wound. 
For I will be like a lion to Ephraim and like a young lion to the house of Judah. I, even I, will tear to pieces and go away. I will carry away and there will be none to deliver. I will go away. Here's, here's, here's what I want to focus on. I will go away and return to my place until they acknowledge their guilt. So we need as a people to acknowledge our guilt, all right, and seek my face, right? But that's not enough. It says, in their affliction, they will earnestly seek me. In their affliction, they will earnestly seek me. When we're going through trials and tribulations, hopefully we will earnestly seek the Lord. So when we're talking about doing it wholeheartedly, it means we are diligent about it. We are earnest about it. We are heartfelt about it. Okay. There's no room for passivity. There's no room for slumber. There's no room for going on a personal go slow. Right. In Proverbs 8 verse 17, it says, I love those who love me and those who diligently seek me will find me. Please note, ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't just say those who seek me will find me. It says those who diligently seek me. Remember I shared with you earlier on that person who can't find their keys and they're late for work. They are super diligent when it comes to looking for those keys. They will skip breakfast because they're looking for those keys. My question to you is how diligent are you when it comes to seeking after God? Is your life characterized by God seeking. Are you a God seeker? In the book of Psalms 63 verse 1, Oh God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My soul thirsts for you. In other words, my mind, my will, my emotions, my intellect, my imagination thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you. In a dry and weary land where there is no water. This is so powerful. So it's not just his soul thirsting after God, also his flesh. Now here's an important principle. It's possible to seek God so much, to seek after God so much that your physical needs are suppressed. Some of you will know what I'm talking about. When you go on an extended fast, for example, right? The first couple of days, you're experiencing these hunger pangs. Your brain is telling you that you need food, which you don't actually really need, right? Um, but that's what you go through. But after some time, you literally lose that desire, don't you? You begin to lose the desire for food, right? I've, I've experienced this. I remember when I was 12 years of age and I was at boarding school and I started high school and I was so hungry for the word of God, 12 turning 13. And I remember we used to have rest periods after lunch, we'd have an hour of rest. And I would literally be so looking forward to just getting that good news Bible of mine. I would make so many notes in it. And sometimes even when I was feeling hungry, if I ate the word of God, those hunger pens would literally go away. So my flesh was literally yearning for God, literally yearning for God. I want to encourage you to push through and make sure your flesh doesn't become too loud in your life. Let your hunger be filled by the word of God. Amen. In Deuteronomy 4, verse 29 to 31, it says, But from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him. If you search for him with all your heart and all your soul. This is a big qualifier. It doesn't just say you will find him, ladies and gentlemen. You don't just find God by once in a while asking him a few questions here and there. But once in a while having a quick um, shotgun prayer. No, it says you will find him if you search for him with all your heart and all your soul. When you are in distress and all these things have come upon you, in the latter days, you will return to your Lord God and listen to his voice. For the Lord your God is a compassionate God. He will not fail you, nor destroy you, nor forget the covenant with your fathers, which he swore to them. Jeremiah 29 verses 11 to 14. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come 
and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. You see, we love to quote the scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11. Yes, God knows the plans he has for us, plans for a hope and a future. But we often forget what comes afterwards in verses 12 through to 14. You will call upon me. You will pray to me. I will listen to you. You will seek me and you will find me. Why will we find you, Lord? You will find me because you're searching for me with all your heart. Ladies and gentlemen, these are prayers that get results. It's when you seek the Lord with all your heart. And I want to highlight to you here that there's a difference between praying and seeking God's face. And that's why often in scripture, uh, there's a distinction between the two, right? It doesn't just say, oh, let my people pray. It says, let my people pray, but it also says, seek my face. Because it is possible, it is possible to pray without seeking his face. It is possible to ask God for things, to make petition, to make supplication, right? Which is an element of seeking his face. But seeking his face has got so many more dimensions to just pray. God calls us to pray, yes, but he also calls us to seek his face. It is possible to pray without seeking his face. And that's why we're unpacking this uh, today. The, the fifth dimension that I want to talk about is that we are to primarily seek his face, not his hand. There's nothing wrong with seeking his hand, nothing wrong with seeking his strength. And I'll show you that in scripture. But the primary thing we're supposed to do is to seek his face. Right now, of course, you might have this question, Paul, how can we seek his face if we can't ever see God's face? Right. All right. Here's the thing. A person's face reveals a lot of his character. Have you noticed if someone is just frowning at you or they're grimacing, it says something about how they feel. So when we talk about seeking God's face, we're basically talking about seeking his nature, seeking his character. Very often when the Bible talks about his face in the Old Testament, that word is used interchangeably with his presence, right? So you could actually replace it with seek his presence. So when the psalmist says, I just long to dwell in your presence, right? He's basically saying, I'm seeking your face. I want to ask you a question. Are you desperate for his presence? Are you like Moses would say, Lord, you know what? We cannot move on from here unless we go with your presence. See, he was a God seeker. He was a God seeker. His presence is his face. His presence is his face. In the, in the book of Psalms 27 verse 8, it says, When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, O Lord, I shall seek. So God is saying the same thing to mankind today. Guys, seek my face. Are we going to have the same response that the psalmist had? Oh Lord, your face I shall seek. Your presence I shall seek. You Lord, I shall seek. In the book of Psalms 27 verses 4 through to 8. One thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek. One thing, not many things. One thing that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. So that's what he longed for. It's like, Lord, that's enough for me. If I've got you, then I'll have all these other things. But my primary thing is to have you, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will conceal me in his tabernacle. In the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. He will only hide you when you seek his face. This is the context. He will lift me up on a rock. And now, My head will be lifted up above my enemies around me. Do you want your head to be lifted up above your enemies around you? Well, seek his face. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7 verse 14, And my people who are called by my name, if they humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Right now, we need our land to be healed. 
It's not just individual healing. The land needs to be healed. The nations need to be healed. But God tells us how we can do this. He says, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves, it takes humility. It takes a humility to say, I'm not going to run after all these things in the flesh. I'm going to humble myself before the Lord. And I'm going to begin to pray. And then I'm going to seek his face. We'll talk next week about what that entails. But I've touched on it a little bit. Right? And I will turn from my wicked ways. There's no seeking his face without a willingness to repent. Without a willingness to come before him in brokenness. Then he will hear from heaven. He will forgive us our sin. And he'll heal our land. So what's the outcome of seeking God's face? What's the result of seeking God's face? Number one, you'll find him. When you seek his face, you will find him. He's not playing hide and seek with you. In Isaiah 45 verse 19, the Bible says, I have not spoken in secret. This is the Lord speaking. In some dark land, I did not say to the offspring of Jacob, seek me in a waste place. I, the Lord, speak righteousness, declaring things that are upright. In 2 Chronicles 15, 1-2, Now the Spirit of God came on Azariah, the son of Oded. And he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Listen to me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are with him. And if you seek him, he will let you find him. If you seek him, he will let you find him. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. If you seek him, you will find him. He wants to reveal himself to you. In Acts 17 verse 27, that they would seek God. This is God's desire for mankind, that they would seek God. If perhaps they might grope for him. How many of you sometimes feel like you're groping for God? I believe many people are groping for God. If perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. Isn't that so powerful? And he says earlier on that, you know what, guys, I'm not in some dark land. I'm here. I'm close. I'm not a remote God. Just grope for me and hopefully you will find me. In Matthew 7, verses 7 to 8, it says, ask and it will be given to you. That's the praying part. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be open. This is a promise that as long as we are seeking God wholeheartedly, we will find him. And that's what we need. The second dimension in terms of the outcome of seeking God is that you'll be rewarded. You'll be rewarded. For me, that's so encouraging. If I'm spending extended times in prayer, extended times in the word, it's so encouraging to know that, Lord, as I'm seeking you, there's a reward for seeking you. In Hebrews 11 verse 6, it says, And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. A lot of people try and shy away from this thing of God rewards. Throughout scripture, we read of his rewards. Okay, You see this with Asa in 2 Chronicles chapter 14, verse 7. It says, for he said to Judah, let us build these cities and surround them with walls and towers, gates and bars. The land is, our, is still ours because we have sought the Lord our God. The land is still ours because we have sought the Lord our God. We have sought him and he has given us rest on every side. In other words, rest from our enemies. So they built and prospered. One of the reasons often we build and we don't prosper is because we haven't experienced rest from our enemies because they're enemies to our prosperity. Right? Our, our prospering and our abundance has enemies. There's spiritual resistance against our progress. But one of the keys is if we seek the Lord, it says, for we have sought him and he has given us rest from every side, on any, every side, so they built and prospered. 
You see, you will keep the land God has given you. There is spiritual territory God gives you. There's spiritual promotion he gives you. He says promotion comes from above, right? Not from the north, not from the east, not from the west. It comes from above, comes from the Lord. He says, I'm the one who raises up one and puts down another. So he's our source. And as we seek him, right, he establishes us. That's what it means to be established. You have rest. You literally have rest. You walk in peace. You walk in abundance, right? And you're established in the land. You see, some people are like a one-hit wonder, you know? They seem successful. Then their success fades away because they don't seek the Lord. I don't know about you, but I want to be established by God himself, okay? In fact, the type of reward that's so precious is God himself. He actually becomes your reward. In Genesis 15, verse 1, it says, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Imagine God saying that to you. I am your shield. In other words, I'll be your immunity. I'm your shield. Those fiery darts from the enemy, they will not touch you. They will not harm you. I am your shield. And then he goes on to say, your very great reward. Isn't that powerful? When we're saying, Lord, reward me with this. Lord, reward me with that. And God says, I am your reward. Me, the God of all creation, father of creation. I am your reward. El Shaddai, the full-breasted one, the God who's more than enough. I am your reward. And it's so powerful because this is what God said to Abraham before he actually made the promise. So you can imagine Abraham is listening to this. And if you read further and unpack it, I mean, Abraham says, but like, how can it be? You know, I don't even have a, a son, you know, and now you're telling me all these wonderful things. Right. Um, so God then promises him a son because remember he was saying, oh, you know what? The person who's going to actually get my inheritance uh, from me is uh, Eliezer, right? My servants, my servant. So we see that God is so powerful that he says, you know what? If you're a true God seeker, then make me your reward because all other things will come once you have me. Isn't that powerful? God becomes your shield. You live in a place of immunity. He himself is your reward. Thirdly, one of the outcomes of walking in this dimension of being a God seeker is that we will be protected. We will be protected. In Amos chapter 5, verses 4 to 6, it says, For thus says the Lord to the house of Israel, Seek me that you may live. Do you want to live? Seek him. But do not resort to Bethel, and do not come to Gilgal, nor cross over to Bathsheba. For Gilgal will certainly go into captivity, and Bethel will come to trouble. Seek the Lord that you may live, or he will break forth like a fire, or, O house of J Joseph, and it will consume with none to quench it for Bethel. Seek God that you would live. Are you experiencing some chronic illness? Seek God that you will live. Have you been diagnosed with something and the doctors are saying to you, man, you're going to perish. I'm giving you just six months. Seek God that you may live. Find out about God. Search for him. Seek his face. Make that your priority. Desire that God and God alone will be your reward. And watch this space. I like scripture because we are also told we're not just going to be protected, but you will be freed from all your fears. That's the fourth outcome of seeking the Lord. You'll be free from all your fears. I don't know if you struggle with anxiety. I don't know if you're afraid. Maybe you've received bad report, evil tidings. You'll be freed from all your fears if you seek the Lord. In the book of Psalms 34 verse 4, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Please note, it doesn't say, I just prayed. It says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from some of my fears. No, from all my fears. 
You see, a lot of people have this mindset of, oh, fear is normal, you know, just, yeah, just, ugh, it's fine. And they actually embrace fear as part of their personality. No, 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 Paul, I'm just terrified of speaking in front of people. That's not your portion. Oh, no, no, I'm just terrified of being close to people and, and getting to know people and being known. That's not your portion. You've not been given the spirit of fear. You've not been given the spirit of timidity. The born again spirit is not timid, but you've been given a spirit of power, love and a sound mind. But the key is seeking the Lord. What do we mean by seeking the Lord? Making it your priority that Lord, it's just your presence I want. It's your nature and it's your character. That's what I'm longing for. Lord, I want you to be my great reward. And I'm telling you now, it's, it's seen in your lifestyle. It's seen in how you live. If you're so desperate for his presence, if you're so desperate for his word, his goodness, if you delight over his statutes, I'm telling you right now, it'll be seen in your use of time. You cannot tell me that, you know what, Paul, I'm a God seeker. But you just spend two minutes a day in his presence, two minutes a day in his word. It doesn't work like that. We are being called right now in this hour to seek his face, to be desperate for more of him. And that's where we will get results in Jesus name. He will give you the desires of your heart. That's the fifth outcome of being a God seeker. He will give you the desires of your heart. You see, God is so loving. When I seek him, I, I go to his goodness. I go to his compassion. I go to his pardon and he gives me the desires of my heart. It's something enjoyable. In Matthew 6 verse 33, we know the scripture, but seek first his kingdom. It doesn't just say seek his kingdom. Seek first his kingdom, right? So seek his kingdom, seek him, seek his face as a priority. You cannot seek his kingdom without seeking him. Every kingdom has a king. You cannot say, I love this kingdom. I just don't like the king. Just has a lousy king. No, you cannot separate the king from his kingdom. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Now, what is Jesus talking about when he says these things? Right? The context here, he's talking about the things people worry about, the things people desire, the things people need. He's basically saying these things will be added to you. But the key is seek me first, prioritize me first. When someone looks at your life right now, is it kingdom first? Is it his presence first? Is it seeking his strength first? Is he your source? Is he the one you run to as your strong tower as your stronghold, or have you got alternatives? In Psalm 37 verse 4, it says, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. I love this promise. Take delight in the Lord. But Lord, I want my desires. Yes, first take delight in the Lord, and stemming from that, he gives you the desires of your heart, because the desires of your heart will then be pure. They'll then be pure desires. Why? Because the thing you're prioritizing to desire and to delight in is the Lord. Let's unpack that a little bit. What does it mean to delight in the Lord? The word delight here means to be soft, to be delicate, to be pliable, all right? To take enjoyment in. In other words, to be like, hey, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? Oh, this, right? To be easy to work with. You see, those who don't take delight in the Lord are the ones that are stubborn, are the ones that are resistant, are the ones that are always questions. But, but, but why does God say this? But why should I do that? I want to do my own thing, right? The word they take delight in. In other words, be delicate when it comes to things of the Lord, right? Be pliable, be malleable. That's what it actually means. Be soft with regards to God, right? And when you enjoy when you take enjoyment in the things of God it's amazing what then happens he gives you the desires of your heart the sad thing is many Christians today are doing it the wrong way around they're saying ah these desires are obviously from the Lord well Lord what do I want to do in life mm, how do I want to enjoy life and that's the starting point it should never be that the first point is to say Lord let me take delight in you and once we prioritize him Everything else flows from that. And I'm telling you, you will enjoy life. You never enjoy life when you're in a backslidden state. Have you noticed that? 
The people who have a lousy life are people who are half in, half out. Prioritize the Lord. Seek his face. Seek his presence. I'm telling you, he gives you the desires of your heart. In Matthew 13, verse 44 to 46, it says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again, and from joy over it. See, this is someone who delights in the kingdom. From joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. So when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, he sees it as this thing we delight in. When Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God, he sees it as this thing we delight in and we enjoy so much that we're willing to sell everything just so that we can experience his kingdom in all its fullness. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. And upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. You see, is his presence like that pearl of great value? Are you willing to forsake everything else just as long as you can experience his presence, just as long as you can see his face, just as long as you can dwell in his presence all the days of your life? Is that enough for you? Friends, is Jesus enough for you? This is the starting point of lordship. May God take us to a place where all else just fades away and our focus is on him and his goodness. That's what seeking the Lord is all about. That's what being a God seeker is all about. The sixth outcome of being a God seeker, we are honored by God and we become candidates for his favor. When you study the technology of his favor, you begin to see this. Some of you have listened to my message on the technology of favor. In 2 Chronicles chapter 17, verses 3 to 6, it says, The Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he followed the example of his father David's earlier days and did not seek the Baals, you see the alternative there, but sought the God of his father, followed his commandments, and did not act as Israel did. When you seek God, you're following his commandments and you're not acting like the rest of the world. You're not acting like the rest of the world. So in these times of trials and tribulation, are you acting like the rest of the world and saying, oh, it's just human nature? Because if you know the Lord, if you're a born again God seeker, you won't. You'll be like Jehoshaphat and he sought the God of his father, following his commandments and did not act as Israel did. How is South Africa acting today? How is the United Kingdom acting today? How is Zimbabwe acting today? How is the US acting today? How is Germany acting today? How is Zambia acting today? How is India acting today? How is Australia acting today? And did not act like the rest of Israel. What is the result? So the Lord established the kingdom in his control. I don't know about you, but I want to walk in the fullness of the authority that God has called me to walk in. But I must seek his face. And all Judah brought tribute to Jehoshaphat and he had great riches and honor. But what was the first thing he did? What was the first thing he pursued? He sought after the Lord. I'm tired. I'm tired of people who call themselves Christians, but their primary thing that they're seeking is something else. They are, they're preoccupied with seeking riches, seeking honor. Jesus says, do not seek honor that comes from man, but seek the honor that comes from God. Ezra chapter 8 verses 21 to 23 some of you are familiar with the Ezra fast where he called a fast. But look at this. Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river Ahava that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek him, to seek from him a safe journey for us. So they needed protection for us, our little ones and all our possessions. For I was ashamed to request from the king troops and horsemen to protect us from the enemy on the way because we had said to the king the hand of our God is favorably disposed to all those who seek him the hand of the Lord is favorably disposed can you see the favor to all those who seek him 
but his power and his anger are against all those who forsake him. So that's the opposite of seeking God, forsaking God, forgetting about God. And nations can forget God. If you look in scripture, the Bible talks about the nations that forget God. Are we a generation that has forgotten God? I'm believing God that right now we're in a season where the mighty nations, the mighty nations will begin to seek God. I'm believing that we're in a season where our nation will begin to seek God. Nations great and small, men, leaders, women, leaders will seek God because that's where the favor is and we need God's favor in this hour. May we not be a nation that forgets God. And it says, so we fasted and sought our God concerning this matter and he listened to our entreaty. Isn't that powerful? God will respond when we humble ourselves, when we seek his face, when we make supplications, when we make petitions and we experience his favor. It says God is favorably disposed to all those who seek him. I would love God to be favorably disposed to me. I know he is, but I also know I'm a God seeker. The seventh outcome, the seventh outcome of being a God seeker is that we will lack nothing good. We will lack nothing good. In Psalm 34, verse 8 to 10, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. When you taste God, you see that he's a good God. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. In other words, seeks him. When you take refuge in him, you're basically seeking him for protection. I don't know about you, but right now I'm taking refuge in God. I'm saying, Lord, protect me. Lord, protect my family. Lord, protect this nation. Lord, protect our community. Right? Oh, fear the Lord, you, you his saints. For to those who fear him, there is no want. In other words, you don't lack anything when you fear the Lord. Right? The young lions do lack and suffer hunger. But they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. In other words, they shall lack no good thing. Some other translations say that. Shall lack no good thing. Who? Is it, is it the person who just does a random prayer from time to time? No, it says they who seek the Lord shall not be in want, shall not lack any good thing. There are lots of good things out there. You will not lack them because you're seeking the Lord. This is the key he gives us. Will I go by my own wisdom or will I trust God concerning his wisdom? In Lamentations 3 verse 25, the word of God says, The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, right? There's an element of waiting on the Lord, right? That's involved when you're seeking the Lord. In the, in the Hebrew, it's the word kavah, and it literally means to uh, entangle yourself around the Lord. To, it's an active process. It's not a passive waiting. It's literally to seek God and to press into him, but you are waiting for him to then respond. I think it's so powerful, right? The Lord is good to those who wait for him. You see, very often we're not willing to wait for the Lord, so we get into the flesh. We get into the flesh. That's one of the biggest enemies to seeking the Lord, right? Wait for him to the person who seeks him. And then finally, number eight, the eighth outcome of being a God seeker. We gain understanding of all things. One of the things I found amazing in scripture is the link between gaining understanding and seeking the Lord. I don't know about you, but in this season, I need understanding. One of the prayers I often pray over my life is, Lord, I pray for the spirit of wisdom and understanding. That's from Isaiah chapter 11. In Proverbs 28 verse 5, it says, Evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand all things. Imagine that. This is a promise we are given, that those who seek the Lord they understand all things. I need understanding right now. We understand all things when we seek the Lord. There's a link between seeking God 
and gaining understanding. I'm hoping this really lands because it's such a powerful mystery of the kingdom. In Romans 3 verse 11, it says, there is none who understands. Just talking about the world and maybe it's the world right now also. There's none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. You see, part of gaining understanding involves seeking after God. In the book of Psalms, chapter 14, verse 2, the Lord has looked down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there is any, and this is the first thing he then says, if there's any who understand, who seek after God. Can you see that connection again? Understanding and seeking after God. My prayer for us is that God takes us to a place where we are true, heartfelt, wholehearted God seekers. Let's pray. Father, I pray for each person who's listened to this message right now. And I ask God that you would come and that your grace would be abundant as you help us to become God seekers. I pray, Lord, for your grace to be abundant, to enable us to prioritize your presence. Help us, Father God, to be aware of the alternatives, the counterfeits to seeking your face. Help us, Father, to be obedient even right now to this clarion call to be God's seekers. Thank you, Lord God, that as we seek your face, we will see your goodness and we will experience your abundant pardon in our lives. I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. And the people of God said, Amen. I want to encourage you, write down one or two things that are take-homes for you from this message. Whatever the Holy Spirit has ministered deep into your spirit, beyond my words, just note it down and say, God, you know what? Can you help me as I do this? Don't try and do everything, but that one thing or those two things that God just said to you, this is for you. I want you to put it into practice during the course of this week because there's grace right now to be a God seeker. In Jesus' name, amen.